This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today we have a special guest, Corby Mitleid, who is a certified tarot master, certified psychic reader, trained medium, and ordained minister. And I'm Mary Elkins. Corby is also an author, and her book is titled Clean Out Your Life Closet. With close to 50 years experience, Corby's abilities include spiritual intuitive counseling, past life retrieval and analysis, and she's a speaker at many expos, seminars, and workshops. Welcome, Corby. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for asking. Great to have you. Great to have you. And we always like to ask our guests how they arrived on the career path they are on now. What is your background and training? Oh, well, now you want the 30-second elevator speech. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It could be longer than 30 seconds. Take your time. But I've done it so often. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And I thought, oh, there's magic in the world. I want to go find it. Fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school. I was working part time at Spencer Gifts and they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck. And I bought it because we were all hippies. then. you had your elephant bell bottoms and the fringe jacket and the decks. Now, five years later, everyone else moved on to roller skates and disco balls. But I was still reading. The cards fascinated me. So for 20 years, I read for friends, keeping my ego on the shelf and making sure I was a clear channel for the information. All of a sudden in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when the universe handed me my draft notice and said, hello, you're working for me. So I did it part-time. Meanwhile, doing all kinds of careers, actress, author, inspirational speaker, video producer, legal assistant, writer for graphic novel series, executive recruiter. Oh my gosh. 9-11. As I watched the towers burn with my husband, I turned to him and I said, I need to do the psychic work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you. Go do it. So for one more year, worked 70 hours a week corporate, did the psychic evenings and weekends when I was sure I could make a living at it close the door on corporate, and I have never looked back. Did Mm. you have any inkling about the Twin Towers? No, no, that's not my specialty. Um, Besides, I will admit, my father had died within the week, and I were best friends. We had the same birthday. So I was still kind of numb from that. And I started a new job on 9-11, so there was way too much going on in the brain pan for me to focus on the Twin Towers. I hear you. Well, how did you get interested in past lives? Um, The universe, when they're looking to see what an intuitive is going to do, goes rifling in your file cabinet. 
and they see what you've got. I'm a trained actress, Brown University. I acted in New York. So I understand characters. I'm a writer. Words are my drug of choice. So I can tell stories. And I'm a history buff. Always have been. In fact, um, met my husband at a place called the Old Rhinebeck Aerodrome in Rhinebeck, New York. It is a flying museum. And as he likes to say, there was this gorgeous brunette who knew the difference between a Fokker DR-1 and an F-1 based on the wings, kids. I had to marry her. <laughs> Both of us love World War I aviation, the Red Baron and all of that. Put all of that together. And when someone asks me, why do I have uh, this longing for um, Edwardian fashions and times, you might have me and one other person. And we could both be good at past lives. But whereas she might say, I see you in a long skirt and a big hat in front of something very ornate. I know it's old fashioned. With my background, I'm going to see that and go, hobble skirt, picture hat, that kind of ostrich feather. You're in front of the Brandenburg Gate. I think this is Berlin in 1911. Which one's going to be more That's right. Which one's going to be more useful? But, you know, we are not supposed to keep going back to our past lives for giggles. If you've been a janitor in Des Moines and you find out you're Napoleon, you're going to spend all your time thinking about what you used to do and ignore them up. We only get to know past lives when they can't affect us in this one or help us solve a problem now. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Do you know who you were? Yes. I know several who I was. Uh Um, How did they come to you? And both questions. Well, um, one of the lives was World War I. And when I first went to the Rhinebeck Aerodrome, before I knew Carl, this was in 1991, I went with a guy I was dating. And I didn't know anything about World War I, didn't care. Uh, Anything German scared me because of all the things you hear about Nazis in World War II. So they have a flying show. And I watched the French planes and the American planes and the British planes and the Italian planes and yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, an Albatross D5 and the Fokker triplane flew because they have um, life-size flying models of those. And there was this soundless explosion in my head and heart. And as I watched them go up, there were two thoughts. I flew that one, and there's a story behind that. Overnight, I went from being afraid of hearing German to needing to speak it. I recognized pictures in books. And it woke me up to a lot of what I had to work with on myself in this lifetime. And when people see a picture of who I was versus me at roughly the same age, our late 30s, People say, wow, is that your grandfather? You look so much like him. Mm. But you you don't always look like your person. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my uh, stories of why this works, a woman came to me when I was at an expo. She said, I'm really worried about my boy. He's late 20s. He still won't live more than a mile from me. He asked me about every decision he's going to make. He shouldn't be doing this at 29. What's going on? Does it have a past life? And I went, okay, Utah Beach, 44. So I think this is D-Day. I see your boy. He's on the beach. He's been injured. It's a pretty mangled leg. You're his commanding officer. You're dragging him over the dunes. So he's out of the way of 
the shells, you take some shrapnel, but you both get out and you live. You save his life. And I open my eyes and she just looks at me. She's very pale. She says quietly, did you see my rank? I said, yeah, you were a sergeant. And she shakes her head. She says, he's nicknamed me Sarge since he was three years old and we never knew where that came from. So now she understands there's nothing wrong with her son. It's just that that life-saving bond has traveled into another life. And she can even explain that to him if he's open to it. And that will reassure him that in this life, he can make his own decisions. Mm -hmm. And that he's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Instead mm -hmm. of so dependent on her. Can you kind of explain what reincarnation is and what are the mm -hmm. beginnings of when people discovered it and started exploring it? Oh, I think it goes back thousands of years. I do. Yeah. And when people look at me and say, um, did, did I have a past life? I just say, do you think you're smart enough to get it done in one? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> then people say, well, the Bible says we only have one life. You're wrong. And I go, no, we're both right. And this is why. The soul is what reincarnates time after time after time. Kathy, Mary, Corby, we each get one shot. These particular recipes will never be down here again as a personality. Mm -hmm. And when people get confused by that, I say, okay, um, let's take the actor Matt Smith, okay? Matt Smith was the 11th doctor on Doctor Who. He was the crazy best friend in the bow tie and the pants were too short. And yeah, he's my doctor. But when he was done with that, he took the part of Prince Philip in the first two seasons of The Crown. Totally oh. different person. So think of the doctor and Prince Philip as incarnations. Matt Smith is the soul that brings them both to life. When people see that, they understand it a little more. That's fascinating. You really think people discovered the concept of it many thousands of years ago? I do. I do. I do. There is no history that I know of, but mm -hmm. I do know that reincarnation was something well known during the time of Christ, but the church could not control you if you thought you'd have more times to come back. So the church said you only have once and God will judge you and, and, and. So the whole idea of reincarnation during the council of nicaea was struck from anything that was a christian writing mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. that was taught as oh it's the devil telling you things but so and i believe at that council they struck out all the references to women too yes they did because yes, there were did. women many disciples of christ were women that's exactly right that's exactly mm -hmm. right do you think that we continue having past lives and, and continue being reincarnated and that it's infinite? Well, I don't know that it's infinite. What I do know is that um, we can come down as many times as we want because, and this goes into karma. Karma is not good karma and bad karma. It's not carrot and stick. Karma is actually simply what we set up to learn. And karma is five things. Unbalanced energy, which is a neutral, healing, service, contrast, and healing of beliefs. Okay? Uh -huh. A perfect example is Ryan White. 
All right. If you remember Ryan, he was the kid that got AIDS from a blood transfusion in the late 80s before people really knew about it. And his family, you know, they were treated like pariahs and people in their town were very cruel. He wasn't allowed in school. Now, Elton John at that time, world famous rock star, but drinking and drugging and so many addictions. You know, if you want the list, go watch Rocket Man. Uh But he made friends with Ryan's family and was so moved by Ryan's bravery and compassion for the people who were being cruel to him. When Ryan died, Elton played at his funeral. Elton then got off all of his addictions and he's been sober and clean for over 30 years. And finally, he started the Elton John AIDS Foundation which has raised over half a billion dollars since then to help HIV and AIDS research in people around the world. So let's go back to the idea of karma. Many people would say Ryan White must have been awful that he got all this disease. But the way we see it, that soul, the timeless soul said, if I'm willing to do a tough life and a short life, Look at all of the good I can do in the world. So that is a life of service. (laughs) When you see that, then karma and reincarnation has a whole different feel. That's a great example. It really is. Tell our listeners something Mm -hmm. about your book, Clean Out Your Life Closet. And how did you decide to write about that? Okay. I will give 50 bucks cold cash to anybody who can honestly say to me, I've never bought a self-help book in my life. We all have. (laughs) I mean, my first one was in 1969 when I was 14 years old. And I remember the beginning of one chapter to this day. It said, Mary has great clothes and beautiful hair and perfect makeup, but nobody likes Mary because Mary's fat. (laughs) And, you know, telling you had to lose the weight. I mean, you know, Twiggy. So, We are systematically told we're not good enough. We're not smart enough. And we better ask the experts. Okay. Now, when we go to Barnes and Noble, we see the books with the great covers and the sexy titles. And we flip through a few pages and maybe this will work. And then we get it home and we find out, what do you mean I can't eat food with leptin in it? And I have to do yoga at four in the morning. I'm a mom with two preschoolers in Milwaukee and a job. Are they nuts? And the book goes away. So I always wanted to write a book that would be in tandem with my readers. It's not, I think my aura don't stink and I'm so brilliant and listen to me. It's here are some of the dumb things I did. Here's a client story maybe, and here's some suggestions. But at the end of each chapter, I have what I call the adventure pages. And the adventure pages are places where you cannot just look in the book and decide, you know, this is what she said, so I have to write it down. For instance, the chapter, finding happiness with what you have right now. How good are you at finding happiness in the moment? If you aren't good, what do you think stops you? Which happiness ingredient is your favorite and why? Think of three situations in your life that aren't looking terrific right now. How can you find some happiness in the journey? That lets you look inside, give yourself credit, see how valuable your life has been. And the book is four things, clarity, simplicity, adaptability, and making friends with stress. 
The two of you could have bought the book at the same moment. We pretty much did. (laughs) If you go in and each of you answers the adventure pages at the end of each chapter, by the end of the book, you will each have a completely different book from each other because it has become your personal meaning. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. What about, I hear in the book, and I haven't gotten to this area yet, Mm -hmm. um, what you talk about life's three-legged stool. What's that? Mm -hmm. All right. Your three-legged stool is getting clear on your purpose, what you're doing here, getting clear in relationships, and relationships are not just with the person you're dating. It could be with your milkman, your kid's teacher, the person you bump into on the street. It is getting clear with spirit, however you see spirit. I don't care if you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, pagan, Buddhist, or believing Ralph the wonder dog, I don't. But you got to know somebody up there loves you, wants the best for you, and is willing to work with you. I've done the cancer dance three times. You can't tell me that upstairs has nobody there because I didn't do it myself. Wow. (laughs) I certainly need to clean out my life closet. And I'm sure all of our listeners do in some form. And I have a different question for you. Can you Mm -hmm. change your own future if a psychic tells you something that you don't want to have happen? Even the best of us are human and only 85% accurate. The only one 100% accurate is God and he's not doing phone readings or having a booth at a psychic there, kids. Yes. 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 (laughs) Um, The other thing is, I really try not to answer yes or no questions because that gives you nowhere to go. Um, If you said we're opening up our own broadcasting studio, will it be successful? I would look at you and say, and what if I said no, and you're going to lose everything and you're both going to live in boxes under bridges? Wrong question. You ask, how do we make this successful? And you see, this is is part of what I know because I was an executive recruiter. So it would be a card for each one of you, a card for the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location to look for, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. All of this information gives you a rocket pack on your back and enables you to take things and run with it. Mm-hmm. My whole philosophy is here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Well, my question that I had in my head for you next was, how do you know the right questions to ask a psychic? Um, well, frankly, um, that's my second book, which is The Psychic <laughs> Yellow Brick Road. Now, I'll say it again. Lot, I think I the psychic psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of books out there that will say, you know, here you go. This is how you develop your psychic abilities. I didn't want to do that because there was an incident that I saw 15, 16 years ago up in Canada, huge expo, 250 booths. And there was a booth across from us with one of the fake gypsies, you know, <laughs> jingling jewelry, headscarf, long skirt, bed accent. So a woman, you know, just one of the customers was walking down the aisle and looking all the booths and the fake gypsy comes out and grabs her arm and in psychic show parlance, that's hooking and it's as bad as the other kind of hooking. But she says, oh, you no need to pay 30, 40, $50. I read your palm for 10. Come. Drags the woman behind a screen very much like the one in back of me. 20 minutes later, a lot of us see the person she grabbed 
leaving crying hysterically. We all run over to see what's going on. Uh, apparently, the fake gypsy had said, oh, you have a family curse. How many in your family? Four. You have dog. $50 every family member. 25 for dog. He's small. He thinks. And told the woman if she didn't burn 400 specially blessed candles at the Roman Catholic Church, I bless real good. Only one dollar candle. Her entire family was going to die in a car accident in two weeks. She bought it. God. That's when I said, this book needs to be written. Mm -hmm. And the book shows you how to choose a psychic, how to get the right information, what to do with the information once you get it the kinds of things we can do, the kinds of things we can't. Um, while it's written for people who are looking to talk to psychics, other psychics have read the book and laughed and said, God, I wish I'd had this when I started. Because there is one chapter that they all love, which is called When Getting a Reading Won't Help. And 95% of what we get is romance. And we've all had this happen. Does Bruce think about me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, will he think about me? No. Is he going to call soon? He isn't. Well, if he's not going to call soon, is he going to call later? And they keep going bang, 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 hoping that the psychic will finally go, yes, yes. He wants seven babies with you and he wants to marry you, but he just doesn't know it yet. Oh, good. I thought so. Don't do that to us, please. Um, so it's it's a... It's a fun book. It's a funny book. Look, I have done stand-up comedy on what it's like to be a psychic. So this Sounds is not a like dry it. tone. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, but so what are some examples? What are some examples of good questions that you would like say you've never been to a psychic? And my approach when I've been had a psychic at somebody's party or something mm -hmm. is not to say anything. Let them just tell me stuff because I, I don't want to feed into it or whatever. I that's like, like, that's like asking me to climb Everest in sneakers. There's no grip. Well, but the party, um, party psychics always tell you stuff when you, Oh, I know that. they, they do. do. Of course. The only, the only person I've ever known who was a medium who could do that was the late great Allie Cheslick up here in Albany, New York. We nicknamed her chatty Kathy of the dead. You pull the string and Allie would go, it never stopped. Um, mm. But when you sit with me, we have either 15 minutes or half an hour at a, at a psychic go. So oh. you sit down with me and I say, what is the most important thing you want to walk out of here knowing today? Because there are so many things you could ask about. I don't want to waste time talking about career if it's your kids. If you go blank on me, I'll go Brooklyn on you and go, darling, what's biting your butt? Because you say that and everybody's got one. Because <laughs> people come to psychics for four things the everyday tour bus house car job kids finances okay gotcha put me here now what who was i in 1642 belgium i want to speak to my spirit guide binky or how's dead aunt mabel that's what they do so uh -huh. if you tell me what you want i know what tool to pull out so that uh -huh. we can get you the best information now um there are some things i won't do i am not great with health um, I'm kind of like your GP, but I'll admit I'm a hypochondriac. So you don't want to ask me about health, but as a professional intuitive, I know when that's not in my wheelhouse and I've got some of it I send you to. So I would say, I really suggest you talk to my friend, Stacy Wells. Stacy is, I think the best medical intuitive in the U S and I would give you her information. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so that's, that's how that goes. That's very um, interesting. I, 
I don't compare myself to everybody else. Um, and I don't censor what I say. And I don't think about it. Because if I'm thinking about something, if um, you're trying to get some information to prove it's your Uncle Dave, and all of a sudden I hear rutabaga on a plaid fire engine, me, me, I'd say, what are you nuts? But I know better to say I'm getting a rutabaga on a plaid fire engine, and I'm willing to bet you that you either had a stuffed animal that he gave you like that, or he drew a funny picture that you remember. So I don't censor what comes out of the mouth. But it's also one of the reasons I will not do mediumship in a public gallery, because sometimes what I get is so personal. It doesn't, it is inappropriate for it to be released in a public setting. Mm-hmm. Now, past lives, that's different. Um, when I was lecturing at Lilydale, which is a very uh, well-known spiritualist community in Western New York, woman raised her hand. She said, can you tell me why I, I can't stand to have wet hair in my face? Not one bit. And she had like a butch short haircut. And, you know, about five seconds, I said, okay, it's a five-syllable answer, Lusitania. In 1915, you were a passenger on the boat when it was torpedoed by the Germans. You went over the side, but you hadn't bobbed your hair yet. You still had that big Edwardian mass, which, of course, took on a lot more water. Plus, you get getting debris caught in it and you drowned. And I opened my eyes and she says, is that why I'm afraid to go on a cruise? I said, probably. Notice all she had to do is ask me the one question. Down it came. Talking about people's past lives is not as immediate as, yes, I have your Uncle Dave. And he thinks you're scum for blah, blah, blah reason. And yeah, that's an identifier, but you don't want it out there in front of 200 strangers. Mm-hmm. That's great because there used to be a guy that would do all that in front of everybody on TV. I forgot oh, that there, guy's name. Yeah. There are so many James Van Praagh, John Williams, yeah. John Holland, Lisa Williams. There, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not the way I operate. Mm-hmm. That's all. What do you mean by think like a Martian? And can you give oh, us an fun. example of that? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we walk down the street and we just don't even hear what's going on in our brain. God, I'd love to wear that dress, but I'm too fat. What is she doing in that color? It's terrible for her. I'd love that car. Oh, that guy shouldn't be driving it. What about, you know, judgment, 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 judgment. And it's unconscious. If we can learn to be Martians, it's easier. What do I mean? Let's say that a Martian, you, know, you can make him look like Marvin the Martian if you want, is assigned by his boss. I want you to go down to earth and see what humans are like. And Marvin's never been here. So he's like really ready to rock and roll. And he comes down and he flips out of his little saucer. He's walking along. And Kathy and I are sitting across from each other. And Kathy has water coming out of her eyes. And me, I'm human. I'd probably say to her, why are you crying? But Marvin here is fascinated and knows nothing about it. And toddles up to Kathy and goes, why is there water coming from your eyes? And he could be right because maybe she has allergies or maybe her contact lenses are bugging her or maybe there's an emotional basis. When we do the Martian thing, we open ourselves up to possibilities. And my favorite story about that, there was a man who was married, had a kid. He was in a bad car accident that basically made his face look like spin art, terribly embarrassed. So he always walked around very kind of like Quasimodo hiding himself, but he was still married with a kid. He was putting his daughter to bed one night. She grabs his face and smushes it next to hers and says, 
this would be a great picture, but it would be better if mommy's face were in the picture. Now, old him would have immediately assumed, even my daughter thinks I'm hideous. Traumatizing him. Knew him was the Martian detective. Asked the question, why would it be better if mommy's face were in the picture? And his daughter looks at him and calmly says, because mommy can't hold the camera still and you take good pictures. <laughs> he found out his daughter still sees him as her loving father, who's a good photographer. And think of all of the trauma, the years of trauma that he escaped by asking a simple question. You have to think like that when you're a writer, too. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. No judgments, just what's happened. Exactly so. It yeah. takes time. It takes practice. But it is really worth it. And you will see your life change when you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Tell us what a drive-by psychic shooting is. Oh, now you're hitting the hot button, baby. <laughs> it's um, a scary word today. <laughs> it's, it's what Teresa Caputo does on the Long Island Medium. You know, they uh, show you that she's walking around in a supermarket and she walks up to a stranger and goes, excuse me, you ran Doris says you got a bull tire in the back. You're going to die in a week if you don't get it fixed. Just telling it <laughs> when she walks away. And people believe that's really what happens. No. Number one, her production team goes out and looks at all the Wegmans on Long Island and picks one. Then they talk to lots of people at the Weggies and gets them to sign a model release. And then she rehearses it six times. Unfortunately, there are people who think that's okay to do. Mm. Um, and that's a drive-by psychic shooting. If someone just walks up to you and starts saying, I have a message for you, I tell my people, you go, uh-uh, I don't want it. I refuse it. I don't know who you are. Get out of my face. And if they keep following you and insisting, you get the manager. That's harassment. Even the famous psychics from Lilydale, they, that's not what they do. They would say, excuse me, Mary, my name is Reverend Shirley, and I am from Lilydale. I believe I have a message for you. May I come to you? Magic words, may I come to you? And if you say yes, she'll deliver the message. And if you say no, she'll nod and she'll walk away because that's how we respect free will. Look, it's happened to me myself. I'm a hands-on healer. I can usually really ratchet down pain. So if one of you is having a, a migraine, I might walk up to you and say, look, I sometimes can really pull pain out of people. Would you like some help? And if you said yes, boom, I'm there. If you said no, I would back up. But people at psychic fairs, especially new, new folks, will say, oh, I can do Reiki. Let me help you with that. And I say no. And they go, oh, no, really. And they keep coming at me with their hands like this until I go back off. And then they go, you're not very spiritual, are you? You're not love and light. No, I'm a professional and what you're doing is wrong. Um, I, know, I was going to weird. ask you that if you can, if you can actually look at people and get psychic messages off of them. Uh, there are people that can. I don't. That's the agreement. I, you know, I set it up with my guides when I was going to do this full time. I said, look, there are certain things I want. I do not want to pick up things from everybody when I'm just walking around. I want there to be an open and a closed sign. I do not read people unless they sit down with me and there's an agreement. Money passes or it's bartering and you give me a chicken or it's a <laughs> gift, you know, um, because people are scared of us because they think we have no morals. We have no boundaries and we don't care what you think we're going to do this to you. No, 
no, we treat you the way we would want to be treated. And obviously, I don't want anybody coming to me and slapping me upside the head with a message I didn't ask for. And I think I've read that you believe that everyone really can train themselves to do this work if they desire. Every, everybody has the ability. I'm going to go back to Elton John again. Um, we all have 10 fingers. We can all pick out chopsticks when we're desperate. Some of us love the idea of playing. So we learn to read music, we practice our scales, and we practice so that we get good. And one in 10 million is, you know, Elton John prodigy. Mm -hmm. So yes, we're all wired the same way. We all have the latent ability. It's how much do you want to do it? How much are you willing to practice? And how much are you willing to, if you will, play by the rules? Because it ain't about your ego, my friend. It's about what you can do in service for other humans. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. And can every psychic talk to dead people? No. Does a cardiologist know what the rash is on your butt? No, he's not a dermatologist. <laughs> <laughs> we all have specialties. Okay. Remember <laughs> what I said about the universe rifling in my file cabinet. Um, I love tarot. I love past lives. But don't ask me to use a pendulum because I have a slight benign tremor in one hand. I don't trust the yes no's that I would get. I can't draw a cannot draw a stick figure with a sharp pencil and a lot of prayer. Don't expect me to do spirit art. <laughs> and yet there are people who do psychometry and pendulum work and spirit work, spirit artwork brilliantly, because that's their gift. So that's one of the important things that I tell people who are starting on this road. Don't think you have to do everything. Find something that fascinates you, that you love. If you're into crystals, maybe crystal healing is for you. If you like art, maybe spirit art. Um, you know, if, if you love the, the theater of ritual, then maybe you want to take a look at learning shamanism. If every animal in six blocks comes to you and says, you got a treat for me. You want to be an animal communicator. <laughs> Spirit me. will show you what you're good at. And are you one of the people that does like to talk to dead people? Well, can I, can I talk to dead can? people? Yes. Oh yes. Yes. Um, but I do it a little differently because that's what my guides wanted to do. Because again, I'm usually doing it with lots of other things that I do. I want to get into it fast. So Instead of just fishing and seeing what I, I get, you give me what I call the dog tags for a specific person. For instance, my father, Jerome Richard Dorkin, who died in 2001 at the age of 80. Notice that tells me nothing, but it immediately gets me into the energy. And then what my guides do is it's almost like we play charades. If my fingers go to my lips, I know that they smoked. If my hands claw on my chest to move out, I know there was surgery. If the heel of my hand hits my forehead, I know it was a sudden death or an accident. Mm. And there are uh, lots of other things. Two great examples. A woman wanted to speak to her father-in-law. I feel myself miming a pool cue. She said, yes, he taught me how to play pool. Another woman in Canada wanted to speak to her grandfather. And all of a sudden, I feel myself salute. Now, for those who can't see me, Americans salute with their palm down. Brits and Canadians salute with their palm out. She had just graduated from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Academy the week before. I saluted with my palm out, Canadian style. The grandfather was telling her how proud he was of her accomplishments. Oh. Now that's not, it's a rose, she loves you. These are specifics that I could not know. And as soon as they say, yes, that's my grandfather, that's my father or whatever, I open the door and they talk through. 
you know, they don't sound like them, but it's also one of the reasons why I don't do this publicly. Very quick story. Canastota, New York. There was a biracial same gender couple. The black partner had died and her white widow wanted to speak to her. Now, remember what I said. Nice kid from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I have manners. But what came rolling out of my mouth was flawless urban ebonics with so many words I cannot say on the air. <laughs> and I was going, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. But the woman in front of me was laughing and nodding because that particular couple of sentences was how her partner, Isabel, walked in the house after every business trip. <laughs> now, if my ego had been involved and said, oh, I can't say this, she wouldn't have had that information. If I had been doing a public mediumship gallery and that came out of my mouth, I could have been arrested and I probably would have mugged. So <laughs> that's why I don't do mediumship except privately one-on-one. <laughs> Great mm. answer. So, so you talked about this a little bit earlier, but perhaps you'd like to elaborate more talking mm -hmm. to talk about what the warning signs are for a bad psychic. Okay. A bad psychic will try and tell you that you're cursed or you have bad luck or, you know, something is wrong and only this psychic can do it for you, can fix it. <laughs> they will tell you that no other psychic is good and you have to come to them. They will always try to upsell you. Um, you know, you come for a 10 minute palm reading and they go, oh, there's more, but our time is up. Would you like to continue the session? And stuff like that. Um, the, the good example I use is if you go into a psychic fair and they're all over the United States now. I mm. tell people, you have to behave like good puppies. First, you got to do your walkies. And that is you pay your money, you go in, you just kind of walk around and look at all the booths and who's there and who feels right and who doesn't. Then, like a good puppy, you get paper trained. And that is where you go and you pick up the information from the psychics flyers or a rack card or something. And you go back and you sit down and you read it because there are tables and chairs for people to figure things out. You're going to want to probably talk to three or four of us. You know, we're down to the finalists now. If we're busy, you should talk to our front people. But remember, we can tell you we're wonderful and that doesn't count. And we hire our front people to say they love us. My first front person was the wonderful Laura Spickerman. Laura also happens to be the ones that's done all my show coach. She's brilliant seamstress. But she was also my husband's office manager Monday through Friday. And she worked for me on the weekends. Oh. Do you think she's going to dismiss as a museum director? I don't think so. What you want to do is you want to go find our testimonial books on the table. We all have them. And you'll see, are we good? Are we kind? Are we accurate? Do we have specialties? Children, dogs, dead people? Would people come back? And the last thing is check at your heart chakra, kids. You're putting your hard-earned money on the table. If the psychic doesn't feel like they have a brain in their head, they really care about what they're doing, or they're going to give you good information. Don't go there, no matter how cool the wiki woo looks on the table. And we will have different, um, different bedside manners. There are some people who really need the nice soft, hi, my name is Little Dancing Raccoon, and we're going to talk to your angels today. And then there's me. <laughs> you know, the New Yorker whack upside the head. Both of us are valid. People need to go where they're most comfortable. Uh -huh. All right. Just because I'm a rock and roll in your face and the other one is soft and glurpy purple with angels doesn't mean either one of us are bad. It's just our style.
Mm, good advice. And everyone also always talks about Ouija boards. What are they really about? What are they about? <laughs> oh. Ouija boards. When you don't know how to keep yourself great, safe, ground centering and shielding, and you put your hands on a Ouija board, that's like opening your door in a strange neighborhood and yelling free beer. You don't know who's out there, but they heard you in there coming. And yes, um, Seth was gotten by Jane Roberts through a Ouija board. Uh, I think that Abraham started with Esther Hicks on a Ouija board, but I have personally had to handle two gibbering, terrified teenagers who got a Ouija board, no, pro, you know, no safety, put their hands on it and said, who's there? And spelled very fast backwards was, I have an ax and I'm here to kill you. That's not your Uncle Danny. And for everybody who says, oh, it's in the toy department, how serious can it be? This always comes up. I say to the people I'm lecturing to, all right, who's got a kid or a grandchild under 10? And hands go up. I say, you, what's the name? Joshy. How old is Joshy? Joshy's eight. Okay. Joshy comes to you and says, grandma, grandma, I got all A's on my report card. And you said I could go pick out a toy. Let's go. And he takes you to the toy department and points to a box that says, my first chainsaw. It's in the toy department. Are you going to let him play with it by himself? I don't think so. Come on, guys, get a clue and use your brains. <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting because I used to use a Ouija board when I was a teenager and younger than that, a lot. Mm -hmm. Some and people can do it and get away with it. Just like I would just ask questions and not be hit. I didn't expect anyone to talk to me. I would just mm -hmm. ask questions and get, I would have my friends ask questions and I would get the mm -hmm. answers, but no one ever, it didn't feel like anyone speaking to me. Yeah. Most Ouija One, boards, two. it's like um, the lower level dead things that are hanging out at the corner of Akashic and Karma. Hey, Sid, there's one. Let's go play. Um, I, I think if I knew that, I wouldn't have touched it. But no one told me anything. Well, to me, think about it. Poltergeists feed off teenage energy and the rising hormones and, and the emotions and all of that. So, of course, they are like a beacon when they use Ouija boards. You may have been better behaved than most of them, but especially these days with all of the social oh. media pressure, I said, no, oh. no. I was too young and naive and babyish when I was doing it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, no, it, is, it is 15, 16 year olds that usually get in the most trouble. Yeah, I think I was about 15 when I got one. And um, I remember asking it what my name was in a past life. Mm-hmm. And it, it came up, it, and then we, of course, I was with four people, and so everybody had their hands on it, and everybody mm -hmm. was moving the board in different directions. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know if a name came up. It was probably gibberish. Yep, yep. I mean, and then people see Downton Abbey, and Lavinia <laughs> sends a message to right. Daisy and Mary. No, honey, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So you're an ordained minister. In what faith? And how does um, that figure into your career as a psychic? Well, it is non-denominational, um, Sanctuary of, of the Beloved Order of Melchizedek. And I got it for two very practical reasons. Number one, uh, when you go south of the Mason-Dixon line, uh, often I have been told, you're doing the devil's work, you're doing fortune telling. We don't like that around here. And I go, oh, no, I'm an ordained minister. This is pastoral counseling. Oh, Reverend, we're so sorry. You go right ahead. It's a safety factor. And the other thing was, before it became the law of the land, 
I was an actress. I had a lot of friends who would bat for the same team. And if they wanted sacred ceremony, by God, I was going to do that for them. Now they can get married. But then at least a commitment ceremony in public where they could declare we're in us. That was very important to me. Mm-hmm. So that's why uh, I became a reverend. I call myself a hedge priest. What is a hedge priest? I'll never have a congregation, but you need your house blessed. You need a burial done. You need a wedding. I can do that. Um, the, the most difficult one I ever did was a dear friend of mine had a miscarriage, but the child was far enough along that you could tell what it would have been. And so I had to help her with that funeral in the tiny casket. Ooh. And that's when literally God looked at me and said, well, all right, you say you're a reverend, prove it. And it was hard, but I said the right words. The sermon came to me and my friend has had a, a child since then, but she has always had comfort from the fact that that little six month, whatever, um, had been buried with love. Well, <laughs> on that note, our guest today on Late Boomers has been Corby Mitlide, certified psychic and certified tarot master and ordained minister. She can be reached at her website, corbymitlide.com. That's C-O-R-B-I-E-M-I-T-L-E-I-D.com. Her book website, cleanoutyourlifecloset.com on her YouTube videos, and her Facebook, Fire Through Spirit uh, Facebook page, to get her free reading hour. Thank you so much, Corby. Did I leave anything out? Perfectly brilliant. Thank you for being our guest today. You've been a great guest. It was a pleasure. And we want to remind our listeners to please follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and on our Late Boomers account. Also visit our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z, if you'd like to drop us an email and tell us how you listen to our podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks again so much, Corby. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. 
Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.